Welcome to the World Languages Collaborative Podcast, a series of podcasts aiming to help language teachers improve their craft through innovative ideas, strategies, and best practices from expert teachers. The World Languages Collaborative brings language teachers together from all over the state of Georgia and beyond to exchange ideas and perspectives on teaching and learning languages. The World Languages Collaborative podcast is an extension of this effort and is brought to you by the Department of World Languages and Cultures at Georgia Southern University. I'm your host, Grant Gearhart, Associate Professor of Spanish at Georgia Southern. Okay, welcome back to the World Languages Collaborative podcast. I'm really excited about my guest today. I have two veteran teachers from the Savannah Chatham County Public School System, Rebecca Hine is currently a doctoral student at Georgia Southern University in Curriculum Studies, but she holds an MAT in Spanish from Georgia Southern, as well as a BA in Spanish and English from Armstrong Atlantic State University, which is now part of Georgia Southern. And she's been in the classroom here in Savannah since 2012. Also with me today is Angela Williams, a Spanish teacher at Garrison School for the Arts in Savannah, Georgia, and she has been in the classroom today for 14 years. So a lot of good experience here. Um, and we are going to be talking about emotional learning in the classroom. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear what Angela and Rebecca, who've been presenting on this for a while, had to say about the topic. Okay, Rebecca, Angela, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you guys here. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about social-emotional learning. Um, what is social-emotional learning, and why is it something that you are interested in? Well, thanks for having us. Uh, social-emotional learning, a uh, definition that Angela and I agreed upon, was that it's meant to radically reorganize routine and go outside of the lesson. And it's there in order to enrich our aspects of humanity in the classroom. Because while there is a hyper-focus on efficiency and standards, um, this is a chance for us to get away from the robotic nature of meeting goals and to actually see the humans in front of us. So the overarching goal is we want to nurture partnerships between school, family, and the local community. Because when we get involved with that stuff outside of the lesson, then we start to build bonds and relationships. So for the individual in our classroom, it can develop healthy identities within our classroom. They can, you know, from class to class, they might look different. The person that we, um, I'll say, unleash in our room could be different from the student that could be napping in math class. You know, not to not to talk bad about math class. I'm just, I talk to math teachers and there's a lot of naps that happen there. And so that's a huge challenge. Um, so managing emotions in our classroom is another aspect where social emotional learning comes into play. And then achieving your personal goals is also important as well as collective goals. Um, so it's that bond that happens through empathy. And the bond is based on academics. Even though we're going outside of the lesson, we're talking about these things outside under the scope of, and how can we help you reach your goals in the class, outside of the class, and et cetera. Yeah, and thank you uh, also for having us. And we think, you know, a lot of times when people uh, think of social emotional learning, you know, they think of it as something separate from your content area or, you know, the student's academics. And like Rebecca mentioned, you know, they are interrelated. So, you know, you have a strong classroom community, you use these uh, strategies to build relationships with your students, and that's going to affect their um, academic performance in the classroom. So, um, some examples of SEL. Um, 
I know we talked a little bit about this, Angela, at our presentation, but conversational SEL is, I think, one of the strongest aspects, just um, doing those open-ended questions, allowing everybody a way to speak, whether they're actually physically speaking or if it's a survey or post-it notes on some electronic platform or a poll, et cetera. Yeah. And then also uh, physical, you know, we can't stress it enough. You know, students need to move. They need to uh, get up, really kind of experience that kinesthetic experiential learning that for the past, you know, two years since everything's been digital, everything's been, you know, behind a screen, you know, they really need to get up and you know, I teach uh, middle school. And so we don't have, you know, a scheduled uh, built in recess. So I really try to make sure that we have opportunities through the class class period to really engage in some of that physical. And it really just helps, you know, going outside for five, 10 minutes, bring them back in and, you know, we can get rolling with the next thing. That's a really good point, because even today when we were reviewing for a test, like um, social emotional learning is so ingrained in my course that my students requested, can we take a break? And there was different activities going on. The boys wanted to play our version of Hot Potato with Spanish music. And then um, some girls wanted to draw a storyboard to help review for the test. And then others were just they were in the Zen zone. We had just done a little mini lesson. And so they were just clearing their head and getting ready to go into test prep. Um, so yeah, like the physical can look like a lot of different things. Absolutely. And yeah, then, and then um, oh, okay. oh, sorry, go ahead, Rebecca. I was just going to say that it's playful. Like it's super yeah. playful. And so a lot of times I feel like when other educators ask me to articulate why my classroom works and why I do what I do, my real answer is I just want to say I am playful. I will play with you all day long. And it's an appropriate boundary of play where it's engaging. I'm listening to you. I'm responding. I'm validating. You might not anticipate what kind of joke I'm going to say or where it's going to go or what's what kind of game is she going to bring in. But there's that variety. And I think the heart of play is variety. Yeah. And kind of also uh, building on that, too, even, you know, if you can't, let's say, go outside or if that just doesn't work for your uh, classroom space, you can always do like a mini brain break in the classroom. And that could include like a five minute dance break. They've got some uh, really good ones on uh, Go Noodle that are definitely, you know, all age appropriate. Um, and even just little community uh, community building activities work too. just something to kind of get them to engage, enjoy each, each other and, you know, just really make the classroom their community since it is. And then you can get back to the academics after a couple of minutes. And, you know, once you get that routine set, you know, the students really look forward to it and it may seem initially as if you are taking, you know, time out of the lesson. But once you get that flow and the students are used to it and they know what to do, you can get right back into the lesson and it just, it works. It really works. And it really goes outside of the classroom too. Um, in my one class last semester, we had an activity because we had, there was a lot of chaos happening in the building that was out of our control. And so every day I was like, all right, here's another song that you might hear at a Spanish speaking get together. And I just try to do the top hits. And my students came back this semester and said, you know, Miss Hine, we were singing the song Gasolina at um, the bowling alley and we were dancing and everything. Um, so just... It's just so playful that they, the happiness goes outside of the classroom. The interest in the song goes outside of the classroom. So if it hadn't been for that moment and when they heard the song at the bowling alley, you know, they wouldn't have known what it was. And so it turns into this huge celebration just because of that time that we're taking outside of the lesson. 
Right. And then also too want to uh, point out that this can also be reflective. You know, it doesn't have to be a conversation every time. You don't have to do, you know, brain breaks or dance or go outside every time. You can do simple things like just having your students set a goal. They can journal. Um, maybe if they have an accountability partner to take a moment to kind of chat with them and look at their progress. So it doesn't always have to be, you know, conversation or, you know, some type of participation in that way. That's a good point because we're humans. And so every day we cannot perform at that same interpersonal level. That's impossible. And so, yeah, sometimes it's just a goal setting. Um, it's a, a great conference can be social emotional learning when you do it in that way of, I noticed these are your grades. What can I do to support you? Do you need me to send an email? Do you know where to find this resource? So when it's more than just, here's an information dump, you're passing, you're failing. It's I care about you. I know you can reach this goal. Um, today in advisement, we had a look at um, some results from a career quiz on youth science. It was super cool. And my students were totally unengaged until I asked the student, hey, can I use your report? And we looked at it and now everybody's talking. Everybody wants to see what careers match them. Everybody wants to see if they agree or disagree with the results. And so just taking that moment to bond in these different ways. And again, it can even be with the data. You can find an emotional connection with those figures. Yeah. And then I also um, like what you mentioned, too, using the I noticed. OK, I've really tried to uh, incorporate that language into, you know, talking with students or, you know, even if we have to have a conference. Hey, I noticed this. And so that puts it on the student to then go back, reflect on what you said. And it really um, is less judgmental. You know, you're not judging them or, you know, making it like a negative. You're just saying, hey, I noticed this. So what can we do about it? And so I really found, you know, that my students respond a lot better, especially if they're missing assignments or, you know, if I just need to check in with something, then they're much more receptive if I start with I notice versus, you know, like demanding or something. I agree because that goes into welcoming the student. Um, so when you just make an observation, it's just like if you invited a guest into your home, I noticed you're coughing. Do you need some water? So I noticed that science, you're struggling. How can I help you? Um, yeah, it's a powerful statement. Yeah. And then, you know, it just goes back to what we said earlier, as far as really creating that you know, welcoming environment, really having those positive interactions with the students, because it's really going to set the tone, you know, for your classroom and your space and how students interact with each other. And like you also said, you know, carry on outside. And so for a lot of our students, you know, they are involved in like extracurricular activities outside of school. And so a lot of times, you know, they'll come tell me about something that happened over the weekend with this particular student or it may have been something, you know, related to uh, class. And so it's just really fun, you know, to see those moments and really see that, oh, OK, you know, they are taking this seriously. They do care. They do show an interest. And overall, I've seen, you know, learning outcomes, the student performance has been just a lot better. They've been so much more engaged. I agree totally. Um, so, you know, we're approaching the end of the year while we're recording this and students are starting not to come to class as much at, for my level at the high school level. And so there was one student, I remembered a conversation we had since the last time I saw him. And I told him, I have been waiting to see you all week because I went to that restaurant we talked about. And so then we started having that point of conversation. And so it just builds that buy-in, that positive interaction. 
if the student has had a hostile impact before your class, it can just totally smooth it over without having to go through that um, trauma all over again, without having to even ask, you know, how's your day? How's it going? It just immediately jumps into the conversation and you can flow from there. Definitely, definitely. I love this. And I think it speaks to the power that we as language teachers have beyond just teaching the language. I know that uh, in my classes and, and, and ever since I've been been a language teacher, but in particular in higher education, um, you know, a lot of times students will go to a big lecture. There'll be one of 400, one of 200. But in my class, there may be one of 10, one of 15. And you know, we find ourselves writing a lot of letters of recommendation because we tend to be the student, the, the instructors that students best know. So I think you guys are doing a fantastic job uh, bringing this aspect of teaching to the overall educational environment your students are in. Uh, I have a question. Um, talk a little bit about how you are doing this in the target language and in the shared language. Um I recently did a podcast with Dr. Florencia Henshaw, and we talked about the idea of the, using the shared language, which in most cases is English, as a way to connect with students um, and how that's important. And we shouldn't just, I guess, be super strict with our use of the target language uh, and forfeit the opportunities we have to connect with students through the shared language. How do you guys sort of balance target language and shared language use with this model of social emotional learning? So I went to a conference not that many years ago before the pandemic um, <laughs> is what I'll say the best year I can give. And there is a principal there. He was a Spanish speaking principal. And he spoke about that, that when he really tried to enforce um, the target language all the time, he found that he was treated like a foreigner and he hated that. And so he started building relationships. For him, it was in the hallway. That was when they knew outside of class, you can come and talk to me in English. We'll talk about, well, whatever. For me personally, I'm kind of a grab bag. I'm a wild, a wild card. If I see that you're, if I notice that you're into it, I'm going to talk to you in Spanish. Um, but if you switch back to English, if I'm losing you in the, com uh, the conversation, you know, then I'll switch to English. Um, we, it's part of our job. Like we're really good at reading people. We know we have to read the signs for is your effective filter ready? Um, are you getting nervous? Are you getting flustered? Um, and so that's where with social emotional learning, you're, I believe your classroom decorations are so important. Um, it's first of all, of course, the welcoming environment to reduce that tension, but however, you also need visuals. So anytime a student is flustered, if I've got something I can point to. So I use a lot of emojis in my lessons. Most of my lessons I use on formative, which is an online platform. And so I find that just putting those emojis in, which is it's such a great modern tool that without me having to stop and change languages, we read the language of emojis every day. And so they can just point to it. They can show me what they're feeling. We can have a rating system in Spanish, you know, with the numbers and the target language. We can describe a picture and we can pick the emotional word. So making your lessons as visual as possible works. And then also allowing room for nonverbal responses. So you mentioned a scenario where there could be possibly 400 people in a lecture hall. If that was my classroom, then I would come up with an activity where you stand on certain sides. Nobody has to talk to me, but I can immediately start observing my patterns of data. If you're feeling tired today, stand on this side, et cetera. And you can do all of these kind of things in the target language. 
great response. And I can uh, also follow up with at first, you know, I was really concerned. I was really nervous, you know, because I wanted to stay in the target language like 100 percent of the class time. And so I was initially, you know, trying to do some of these strategies all in Spanish and the kids would like freeze or, you know, they wouldn't respond. And so I found that like if I were doing a poll, a lot of times I'll use like Pear Deck or quizzes, with some uh, tech tools. And so if I led with, you know, like an initial uh, just really brief few seconds uh, in English, but then we jump into the visuals or there's a picture or there's something for them to kind of hook on with the target language. Then I felt, you know, a lot more comfortable with that. But until we started getting into our routine, you know, like Rebecca said, I would point to, I've got uh, the question word posters. So we would look at that, you know, they're used to seeing, you know, a lot of faces. Sometimes I try to find like funny pictures or just something to really kind of help them, you know, see what I'm saying in uh, Spanish without, you know, feeling like I have to always resort to English. But I was I was really worried about that at first. But once we got on our routine, you know, the students, they are getting much more comfortable. So I feel a lot better sometimes just kind of mixing the two. But a lot of times we can stay in Spanish for the majority of it. I also feel like as a student, um, thinking way back to my early college days, um, those conversations that we would have, of course, we would be in the target language. But when our professor would want to explain and bond with something over so complex, when they would switch to the shared language that everybody could participate despite their level, just to just to have that personal connection, those are the moments that I remember. There's one professor, she was just so skilled at it. And she was even, she was learning English herself. And so there was so much grace in the classroom and there wasn't judgment. And so I think when you allow yourself to make that professional call, can we have this? Is this appropriate academically to have this language in the target language? Or do I need to switch? Because the message behind this conversation is what really is going to fuel my classroom forward, even if it is in the shared language. Wonderful. Um... I love that comment about grace and no judgment. I think that's really, really important. Um, I'm probably going to steal that. What are some ways that uh, the teachers can begin to implement social emotional learning? Let's imagine that someone's interested in using this in their classroom or adapting their classroom. Uh, how, how, how can they get started? Give us some tips to, to kind of get started, get this going. Uh, maybe avoid some pitfalls that you may have encountered the first time you did it. Uh, and just a general sense of advice. My first tip is routine, because if you think of any relationship that you have with an employer, a loved one, kids, friends, you have a sense of routine and what's going to happen with that person. You have a sense of safety. You have expectations. And because we are in this professional arrangement with with children, with young adults, um, we need to establish that. Like Angela mentioned that she was nervous at first, but once when you get the routine and you know how to, ex how, what to anticipate, what's coming next, when the kids feel safe in what they're doing, then it's easy to give them the target language. We're going to focus on that because I know that the question of the day, our social emotional question of the day is only five minutes and I just have to wait my turn. I know it's going to circle the round. I know it's going to be random. So whatever that routine will look like for you, it can start a lot of ways. It could just be um, like Angela mentioned, humor. It could be a funny meme in the in the beginning of the language, uh, at the lesson in the, in the target language. And you could rate, like, is it funny to you? Is it not on a scale of one to 10? Um, do you identify with this? What makes this funny? Um, there's lots of ways to get started. I'll let Angela speak. Yeah. And um, one, uh, I 
give a strategy that um, is pretty easy to start with and you can level it up, level it down. It's called calendar talk. It's where you, um, you essentially you ask the students, like, what are you doing today? Or what did you do over the weekend? Like if they have tests or assignments or um, extracurricular activities coming up and you can talk about those things using um, like the target language and pictures and dates and uh, months and, you know, the calendar. And I actually, um, I saw it first in elementary school, you know, the teachers would, you know, talk to the students about the calendar, but then, you know, they would ask, you know, who has this going on, you know, and the students would volunteer and share. And so I really found that just keeping it simple, like using very simple language, but keeping it brief, you know, the students are really interested, you know, in what somebody else is doing on the weekend or after school, or if somebody has a test, you know, that's always something that gets them excited because then they all kind of get to put in their opinion. And so a lot of times, you know, I don't mind if the students want to share in uh, English or Spanish, but if they're participating, if they are um, communicating, then that's certainly something that, you know, really gets them uh, kind of uh, just excited about the conversation and making those connections that they otherwise wouldn't have known. And it's a really easy strategy. Like I said, you can level it up or level it down. So that's one that I uh, recommend to look at. And I'll add to that um, calendar talks. I, I do like weekend chats. For me as an instructor, calendar talks are hard for me to facilitate because I'm just not a dates person. Um, and I would struggle through that assignment, but I, I love watching the teachers do it. I think it's amazing how they just so seamlessly incorporate everybody's schedule. You're taking something so informational as a schedule and you're making it a point of connection. So in my classroom, I like to do a lot of imagination prompts. I like to ask a lot, well, which would you prefer? Um, so would you rather like the card game that you can get, um, you know, in multiple languages. And so I'll give a lot of prompts from there and we'll start talking. And if it's connected to a story, if it's con if it is connected to something happening this week, would you rather that the school did it this way or that way? Um, and then the conversation flows as well. Yeah. And an additional tip that I have is maybe find something at first, you know, that you're really comfortable with as a teacher, as an instructor, that you can manage and facilitate in your class. And then maybe slowly you can add on an additional strategy, but don't feel like you have to do so much at one time. You know, it's, it can be really overwhelming if you start, you know, doing your research with social emotional learning and you see so many ideas and you want to try this, you want to try this, but you really want to really make it meaningful for the students. So I recommend, you know, just pick one, just kind of try it, see how you like it, see how the kids like it. And then maybe just let that be, you know, what you do for, say, a week or two. And then maybe add in another strategy until you get more comfortable. And then you can start kind of switching things up once you uh, get more comfortable and really establish that routine. Rebecca, Angela, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, we appreciate all that you're doing in language classrooms and we hope to have you back on the podcast very soon. Thank you again for having us. It was great. I enjoyed. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the World Languages Collaborative Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please give us a like and share this podcast with your colleagues and anyone interested in languages. To learn more about the World Languages Collaborative, contact Dr. Mark Linsky from Savannah Chatham County Public School System at Mark. Dot Linsky at sccpss.com. That's Mark M A R K dot Linsky L I N S K Y at sccpss.com. 
Again, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.